Well, you got me this morning. Hi, I'm not Pastor Carl. I am Tom, if you don't know me. I'm one of the executive pastors here. Oh, thanks. I don't, I don't get to see you guys. I miss you. I'm in the country. That's where Carl is right now. He's preaching to Ohuimanu. We want to make sure that uh, he's their pastor as well. And so he's preaching over there. You got me. And we finished up our um, More Than a Name series, and we're moving into something new, kind of a standalone sermon, if you will. And uh, how many guys are Mythbuster fans? Anybody? Okay, cool. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bust some myths today. Boom. Okay? And what I'm going to look at is actually a saying um, that we actually say sometimes, actually a lot of people, that they think it's biblical, but it actually is not biblical. Some people say these, and, and, and they say it's from God, but it actually is not from God. Anybody experience that? Anybody misinterpret Scripture? I am guilty of it, by the way. Uh, but if you don't know what I'm talking about, check out this video. It'll kind of explain what's going on. I just can't do it anymore. I have nothing left. Between the divorce, the cancer, your mom dying and being laid off, I know it feels like you're going through a lot. <laughs> Believe me, I have been there. Just remember, when God closes a door, He opens a window. And never forget, God never gives you more than you can handle. God never said that. All right, cool. Anybody relate to that? Come on. Let's be honest here. I'm going to be, I am a pastor, but there are times when I wanted to punch someone in, in the face in Jesus' name because they have good intentions but they kind of misinterpret things. And I want to say one thing. That's the kind of the saying that we're going to debunk today is that God never gives you more than you can handle. Can I say, God never said that. That's actually not in the Bible. And, and I get it. You're going, wait a minute. I know. I've said that before. And wait, that is a verse. And, and actually, it's from 1 Corinthians 10, 13. And check that verse out. And actually, it says this. It says, the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. Okay, so I want to clarify here. This is the verse. This is the scripture. And when someone says, God will never give you more than you can handle, what they're talking about is stress, right? Anxiety, the pressures of the world, the long to-do list. They're going, God will never give you more than you can handle. Can I ask, is this what that scripture is saying? It's actually talking about one specific thing. It's talking about temptation. It's, the, it's being tempted to commit a sin. That's what this verse is talking about. And I can see why people kind of misinterpret and go, well, God will never give you more than you can handle. Well, we have to realize that it's one specific thing. And what the scripture is really saying is, is that God is awesome, that he will actually not send temptation your way or allow temptation so much that you're like, oh my God, I have more. I have to do it. I, I sinned because God didn't stop it. He's actually saying, you know what? I will stop it. And actually, it's also saying that the devil doesn't make you do it. Can I say, it's like, what? 
I was like, that was my excuse for years. The devil made me do it. Actually, God, God is saying here, because he is God, amen? And, and, and the devil is a created being. Demons are created being. So God is El Shaddai. He is in control, which means he will stop the devil from, from tempting you so much, going, I, I have to do it. I am a robot. Time to sin, you know? He will not allow that to happen. And so here's the kind of a bummer thing. You can't blame God. You can't blame the devil. You're the one who chose to do it. Oh, it got real quiet. <laughs> Don't we choose to sin? We have free will. And so that's what not the scripture is, is, is not talking about. This. Don't worry. We're not going to get into that subject. We're actually going to talk about the fact if this is not biblical and if it's not True, what is really God's heart in the subject? I know you guys don't want to hear this, but God sometimes will allow our lives to get so much, so burdened that we can't handle it. You're like, <gasps> what? How many, guys, how many guys have ever experienced that? Where life is too much to handle, and you're going, God, what's up? Well, it doesn't say that in the Bible. And today's sermon is called what? Milk and handle. <laughs> if you grew up in Hawaii, you know exactly what that means. If I, to give you a little definition for those of you who didn't grow up here, it's you can't bear what is going on in your life right now. But the local version is, what? Milk and handle. And how many of you guys have heard this before, said it, or it's been said to you? And as a surfer, Growing up in Hawaii, you hear this all the time. Why? Because we live in the greatest state in the whole world, the greatest island with the best surf. And growing up in Hawaii, there's one thing, though. We live and really close to the North Shore, probably the biggest, gnarliest waves in the whole world, which means any surfer here, they kind of have to pass through the North Shore, which means you have to kind of know how to surf the North Shore. I didn't like that growing up. I didn't like that pressure. I surfed Shorebreaks Kailua about this high. Love that. <laughs> That's what I surf. But growing up here, it's like, oh, like, oh, North Shore. You have, you know, if you go, oh, oh no. What, you know what they're going to say? What? Not going to handle. <laughs> Not going to handle. And then, so I would always have to go to the North Shore with my friends. I remember many times standing on the beach with a whole bunch of my friends we're at like pipeline or something and it's big and it's barreling and you're like this yeah you, you got to have the north shore poker face it's like you're walking you're just standing there and you can tell everyone's just like oh it looks good huh yeah it looks real good oh man oh i could have ripped that wave up you know what everyone's thinking they're freaking out in their mind <laughs> they're going i can't handle this i'm gonna get killed i'm gonna end up in the hospital they're saying that but they're like this oh it looks good and the, the thing you never, ever say that I never, ever say is that everyone's getting ready. They're all go out, to, uh, go out into the surf, and you'll, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to stay in the car. <laughs> you never say that. Why? Because you're going to get the, what, no can handle. And so I've gone out in huge waves that I couldn't handle. Thank God I survived because of the fact of my pride. I didn't want anyone to say, what, no can handle. And here's the one thing I want to say to you guys is that there are going to be times in your life when you no can handle. That it's going to be tough. You're going to be overwhelmed. That things, stresses, whatever is going to just overwhelm you. You're going to feel it. You guys are raising your hands. And I want to just set you free. And it's okay to say to someone, no can handle. 
Because God never said that he's not going to give you more than you can, not, never give you more than you can handle. And here's, here's, the, here's the question. Then if God does allow that, then why? Why does God allow us to be overwhelmed? And we're going to be talking about that today. We're going to give you a couple pointers. And uh, before I do that, I, I, I want to give you a little bit of uh, comfort here that there's people in the Bible that were overwhelmed, that they know can handle. And in Psalm 38, this is King David. This is King David, one of the great, greatest warriors in the, in the Bible, killed Goliath, was one of the greatest kings. And he said this in 38.4, my guilt overwhelms me. It is a burden too heavy to bear. He couldn't bear it. He couldn't handle it. He's, he's saying that right here in this verse. Here's one of the best examples. Jesus himself. You guys remember when Jesus, the night before he was killed and crucified and tortured, he went into the garden of Gethsemane to pray. And he was with some of the disciples. And he said this in Mark 14, verse 33. He said, he t- uh, says this, he took Peter, James, and John with him, and he became deeply troubled and distressed. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. And if you know the whole story, when Jesus started praying, you know what he asked God? He was so filled with grief. He was so overwhelmed. He asked, Lord, is there any way that I don't have to do this? Is there any way that I don't have to go to the cross? Is there any way, is there any other alternative? Can this cup pass from me? And then he said this, and this is, the, this is our Jesus, this is our Lord. But you know what? Your will be done, not mine. What an example, huh? But he was crushed. Spirit was so crushed. And actually, the, the word Gethsemane, the garden that he was praying in, you know what that means? It means olive press. An olive press was used to crush olives to get the oil from it. It was like, you can't handle this, boom! And I'm going to crush you, and I'm going to gather the oil. And here's Jesus praying out to God. Blood is coming from his sweat. He's saying, I can't handle this, God. And it's like an olive press that was pressing on him because he knew that he had to give up his life. Doesn't that give you comfort that Jesus himself had a lot to bear in this world? That in our lives that we have a lot to bear. So, so why does God allow it? Well, here's the first point. We need his presence. Can I get any for that? We need his presence. And you know why? Even though we can't handle, God can handle. God can absolutely handle anything and everything. And we need his presence. And I want to start off with this, with this point, is that, you know, do you know God needs us? That God needs us, that he delights in us, that he, he created us, that he wants to be with us, he wants to have this intimate walk with you. And I think we say that in church. I think a lot of times we think, well, is God needy? Is God, man, he must be super insecure if he needs me. Does he, does, does he need to boost his confidence? Does God need that? No, he doesn't. But he actually chooses to need us, to want us, to delight in us. I read an interesting quote uh, from C.S. Lewis. Actually, it was yesterday, so I was like, oh, perfect. Uh, he says this, 
if he, God, if he who is in, in himself can lack nothing, chooses to need us, it, it is because, get this, we need to be needed. Do you guys get that quote? God chooses to need us because he knows us and he made us that you need to be needed. Think about God came down on earth, Jesus became a baby, gave up his own life just for you. That's how much he needed you because he knows you need him desperately. God knows that your life will be better with him in it, amen? He knows, he understands that. You know what the problem is? Us, who gets in the way? Me, if God needs us, here's, here's the thing. We don't need him back. We love Jesus, we want Jesus, but we really don't need him. And then why does God allow storms to come in our lives? Because he actually wants to change our wants into needs. Are you hearing me? He wants to change our want into need. And there was storms in my life that happened. Um, I was in ministry. I was the junior high pastor. I was doing well. And I thought, man, I'm in, I'm in, the, I'm in the, the sweet spot of God's anointing. I'm in the sweet spot of God's calling on my life. And you know what? A storm hit me. I was overwhelmed. I was being crushed. My spirit was being crushed. And I remember I came out of that. In the midst of it, I told God, you know what, God? You're all I have right now. I was being stripped of everything, and I cried out to God. And after I came out of it, I realized I changed. There was something in the fact that I was like this, and I experienced God's presence, and then I turned into someone else because I realized my prayers before, my, my prayers were really about me. I was telling God, God, can you help me with this? Can you help me with my ministry? Can you help me with my preaching? Can you help me with my discipleship? Can you help me make me look better? After that, and I went through the whole storm, and I felt this presence, and on the other side, you know what I was asking? God, what's your will? God, what do you want me to do? What do you need me to release? How can you make me a better for your glory? It changed this this. Part of my life, when God allowed the storm in my life, it changed me. How many of you guys have kids? All right, cool. Um, you know, I look at my kids, and I'm like, the most peaceful time with my kids is when they have iPads in their hands. <laughs> right? It's like, I, I can go all day. It's like, oh, there's tantrums, and they're asking for chocolate milk. And my, my kids ask for chocolate milk every single day. They cry for it. They wake up, chocolate milk, you know? But then I, this wonderful, awesome, incredible invention, this little square thing, I go, boop, and they're like, Grr. and they're just mesmerized. There's peace in the house. I can eat dinner. I can watch whatever I want. I can just roam around the house, and my kids will go, but you know what? I know that's not healthy for them. I know if they're stuck on their iPad for eight hours, they're not talking to me. They're not having a relationship with me. They're not close to me. They're not going outside and experiencing the world. That, and and when, I, when I say, get off the iPad, it's like, no! And they go back, and, and it's peace. 
And I can live with that peace, but I know that's not the best for them, amen? So what do I do? I allow the storm to come. <laughs> See my, my son with an iPad? Judah, you have to turn the iPad off. Nope. Okay, storms are coming. <laughs> right? And I take the iPad away, and a tantrum ensues, and he's crying forever. But why? Because I want him to talk to me. I want him to relate to me. I want him to go outside and experience the world. And sometimes God's going to do that. Not to be mean, but he knows the best for you. Because you know why? Because he's, God is well aware that you're comfortable, being comfortable without him is actually destroying your life. Did you hear me on that one? That being comfortable without him, going, you know, I got this. I can live without, without you. That's actually destroying your life because God knows your life will be better with him in it, with his presence. And so he'll allow the storm so that you experience his presence. In Psalm um, 145, verse 18, it says this. The Lord is close to all who call on him. Yes, to all who call on him in truth. Now, I, I love this. It's saying, if you call on him, he's close to you. But I love, it says, call on him in, in truth. What does that mean? It means to be sincere. It means to be, uh, you, that you really, really mean it. Now, it doesn't mean this, that you're going to go home and, I'm really meaning it, God. You get a little bit louder. Your butt cheeks are a little tighter. Like, I really, really mean it. God is not looking at your outward cheek tightening. He's looking at your heart. And really, it's not about doing more. It's about what's being stripped away. And if God in a storm is able to strip away your ulterior motives, your insincerity, and then you come at him in an honest, God, I can't do this without you. Well, I'm going to be close to you. That's, that's calling, him, calling out to him in truth. God, I can't live this life without you. I can't accomplish this life. I can't have a good marriage without you. I need your presence. You know, Moses got it. Moses understood this because he says this in Exodus 33, verse 14, uh, 15. He says, if you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place. God called Moses to take the promised land. They're stuck in the wilderness. They're, they've been wandering. And, and Moses is pleaded with God because, because Moses was with God and God was with Moses the whole time through the, the exodus and the, the splitting of the Red Sea. So he, he knows that he can't take, even if he went into the promised land where the milk and honey and all that, and if he was without God, it would mean nothing. So here's Moses understanding that I can't not just want God, I need God. I am not leaving this place without you. If you don't go personally with us, God, don't make us leave. Now, what I'm saying to you guys is, is I'm not saying go all Lieutenant Dan on yourself and go look for a storm. You know, it's like you're gonna walk this place. I need a storm because I need to grow in the Lord. Where's the storm, you know? Let me tell you one thing, the storm's coming. You're either in a storm right now, you're either, either coming out of a storm, 
or you're going to head towards a storm. Isn't that life? That life is not easy, and there are storms. So I, I want to just say, let's just wait for whatever it is. You might be in it. You might be coming out. You might be heading towards it. But I know one thing. Be excited about it. Have pure joy. And James says, have joy when trials come. And you're going, what? How do I do that? Why, how do I have pure joy? You have to understand that God's going to do something through it, that you're going to be a better, better off because of it, that he's going to reveal things. He's going to strip things off of you. There's two people right now that I talked to just recently in the last couple of months. One guy is just coming out of a storm, and then there's another guy that's in the storm right now. And I talked to both of them separately. And the most amazing thing, they said the same thing. Man, it's been a rough time. This is a rough journey. But I've never been closer to the Lord my whole life. These are two guys that have known the Lord for a long time. Went to church all their life, you know, and just knew Jesus. This storm hit them. God allowed it to happen. And both of them saying, I've never had, even in the midst of it, I've never had a closer relationship. He's never been more, more real and more tangible in my whole entire life. Why? Because, it, because their want turned into a need. And it was a pivotal moment in their life. And so when that happens in, in yours, take advantage of it. Go, God, what are you trying to teach me through it? I know that's it's a cliche. It's like, oh, God, teach me something through it. But it's so true. If we're open to hear what God has to say about that. Um, the next thing, why God allows storms for us to be overwhelmed, is that we need his power. Amen? We absolutely need his power. When we call to him in truth, it's actually saying to him, God, I can't go without you, and I can't do this without you. I can't do this if you don't come with me and, with, and, and you don't come with your power, it's not going to happen. That's when you're crying out to the Lord. And the thing about the storms and being overwhelmed is it not only strips you of your insecurities and your selfish motives, it strips away your resources. It strips away your confidence, your abilities. And you're going, oh, I don't want that to happen. But it's at that point going, God, I just rely on you. A good example is in, in Judges. Let's turn there. Judges, verse 7. And this is the story of Gideon. And Gideon was a leader of the Israelite army, and he was just about to go into war, just about to, uh, to, to attack the Midianites, and the Lord said this to him. The Lord said to Gideon, you have too many warriors with you. If I let all of you fight the Midianites... The Israelites will boast to me that they saved themselves, what does it say? By their own strength. God is saying, you got too many, which means you're kind of relying on yourself a little bit. Let's cut the fold a little bit and see what happens. And so if you read the story, if you know the story, God says, uh, he tells Gideon, Gideon, tell your men if anyone is scared or afraid that they can go home. So he looked at his men, hey, if you're scared or afraid, you can go home. You know how many left? 22,000. They're like, okay, shoot, day off. Let's do this. 22,000 of them just said, wow, thank you, and just walked off, which left 10,000. Okay, well, 10,000 is a pretty good number, right? Then God said this, well, you know what? 
have them all drink at a stream, and whoever drinks with their hands rather than with their mouths, they can stay. So they did that. You know how many people drank with their, mouth, uh, with their hands? 300. 300 out of 10,000 stayed. And then God said, that's what I can work with. And if you don't know the end of the story, guess what? They won. God had the victory. And guess what? God got, got the credit. And we have to realize that in our lives, we need his power for one reason, that we don't take the credit, that we give all the glory to God, amen? Our problem is this, we believe too much in our own power, right? We believe too much in our own confidence and abilities and resources, standing right before the storm, and we're like looking back and like, dude, I got a lot of men, let's do this. I got this. Anybody said that before? Don't have to raise your hand. I got this. You know something's coming. You know something's harsh. You know there's, there's going to be a storm coming. You know you might get overwhelmed, but you kind of go, you know what? I can handle. I can handle. And God's going, no, you cannot handle. Dude, no. You're not equipped to do that. I love what it says in, in 2 Corinthians 12. And this is Paul. This is one of the, probably the best scriptures in the whole Bible. And Paul was struggling with something. It actually doesn't say what he was struggling with. He called it his thorn in his side. And I'm not sure what it was. And he asked God three times to help him, to heal him, to get rid of this thorn in my side. And God didn't do it. I don't know why God doesn't answer certain prayers. But God is God, amen? And I, I can't give you an answer for that. But here, it's, it's, it's so cool that God gives an example of it with one of his most beloved people in the Bible, the Apostle Paul. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. He was the first one to go on a missionary journey and actually take the gospel to the world rather than just staying in Jerusalem. He was a, he was a precious man to the Lord, but he didn't answer this prayer. And he says this, in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9, you guys know this verse, it says, each time, each time Paul asked for him to be delivered from this thorn in his side, God told him, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now, I am glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weakness and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. When we have an attitude of, I got this, I got some men, we're holding on to our strength, but we're not really being honest about our weakness. And it, isn't God weird that God's all flip it? Be proud about your weakness, because what? guess what? Watch when I'm going to come through and come strong. Because uh, let me tell you one thing. When I do that, that's when I see the miracle. How many of you guys want to see a miracle in your life? You know what a miracle is? A miracle is something beyond your ability to do. Amen? You can't do it. If you can do it, an accomplishment, I'm sorry, that is not a miracle. That is Tom being good. 
Yeah. But I want the miracle. But so many times I have to let go of myself to see the miracle. God taught me that very clearly just recently. I, I've been looking for a house uh, to buy a house because I have a family of four. Actually, we're going to become a family of five in January. My wife is pregnant. Pray for me. Um, <laughs> we need a new car. We got to live in a new house. I'm living with my in-laws. You're really going to pray for me, right? <laughs> and uh, so we were looking for a house, and we started the house process, and it was really frustrating in the beginning because we saw this, you know, there was this house that our realtor sent to us, and I didn't like the area, actually. And I told God, well, God, if this is the place, you better change my heart on it. And I walked into the place, and God changed my heart. He's, I walked in, I'm like, so this is it. I'm like, yeah, this is it. I saw my children playing and us cooking and me watching soccer games. I'm like, yeah, this is, this is it. So in my heart, I'm like, this. So, well, let's put an offer. We put an offer. Then we, then, then we didn't hear, like, for 10 days. It was just so weird. We didn't hear anything. And then we finally heard someone, they've already accepted someone else's offer, so we got really bummed. So in the process, we started looking again, and so we went to go look at this Waimanala home and another perfect house, right? You walk in, like, yeah. But you know when we went to the house? It was the first day of the open house, and it was right when the open house opened. You know what happens when you go to those things? There's like 30 families there. You walk in, and like everyone's looking through the cabinets, and you're just like, and, um, and then I heard from the realtor that, oh, they've already accepted an offer, but, you know, you can maybe put an offer in and see what happens. And I remember walking in the house, and I was so frustrated, so just, man, this is never going to happen. I literally, I, I did the North Shore poker face. You know, I was like, you know, I was like, yeah, because like, people were around. I'm like, yeah, looking at. Inside of me, I was screaming. I was just frustrated. I was actually praying to God, my God. How is this going to happen? There's so many people competing for this house. I, I can't do this without. I was literally begging God and mad at him at the same time. Anybody relate? I, I was like, God, I was like, this is not going to happen without you. It, while I was like checking out cabinets. I was just crying out to him because I was like, there is no hope. Nothing's going to happen. How are we going to find a house for our family of five? And I prayed that to God, and I remember just even just going home, just bummed, like, man, we got to start the whole process again of looking for a house. And then I took my kids to the pool one day. I'm sorry if you heard this before because I told this last week at 7 a.m. Uh, but I went to the pool with my family, and we met this woman, just a random woman that actually lived down the street from my, my in-laws. And we started talking, and she was talking about her husband was on dialysis. And I was explaining that we're looking for a house, and it's been real frustrating. And I was going to do the Christian thing and pray for her, because I'm like, I'm a pastor. I'm going to pray for you, and you're going to be blessed. You got prayed by Pastor Tom. And so right before I was about to go, hey, can I pray for you? She happens to be a Christian, and she looked at me. Hey, can I pray for you? She got all excited. She just lit up. Can I pray for you? I'm like, oh, sure. Okay. So, okay. She, she grabbed Grace, and I had my daughter. She, like, huddled us up in the middle of the pool. She's like, oh, we're like this, and like, we're, like, we're too close, too close. And I'm like, hey, we're crushing my daughter here. She lays hands on us and starts praying for us. She's like, 
Lord Jesus, give them the home that they need. And then she opened her eyes and she looked right at me. Like, Which home do you want? I'm like, huh? What home do you want? I'm like, oh, 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 put on the gun right there. She's like, do you want the Waimanalo one or do you want the Kaneohe one? I'm like, oh, oh. And it just like slipped out of my mouth. I'm like, oh, Kaneohe. Oh. So, Lord Jesus, give him the Kaneohe. And she prayed for like literally 10 minutes. I'm like, my, my, my fingers are getting wrinkled here. What's going on? Like, come on, end the prayer already. <laughs> this woman was just filled with compassion and praying over us and literally called it out of me, like, which home do you want? And I'm not even joking. I got out of the pool to the, where we were at. I checked my phone. I got a text from my realtor. The people in the Kaneohe home backed out. Are you still interested? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and long story short, two weeks ago, we closed on that house. And we're going to be moving into it. And I tell you all of this because I'm, I'm standing on the other side of a storm that I thought there was no hope. Me crying out to God going, I can't do this without you. I cannot do this. has, you know what I was telling God? This has to be a miracle. This has to be. There's no other option than you coming in and showing your power. And God's all, shoot, let's do this. <laughs> sorry, did I spit on you? I'm so sorry. God can handle. Amen? Amen? God can handle when you can't handle. And when I actually say that verse, actually I want to read that verse in James 1, 2. Because you don't really understand this until you know what it really means. I know that sounds obvious. But in, in James 1, 2 it says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, Consider it an opportunity for great joy. Whether you're going through a storm, coming out of a storm, heading into one, consider it great joy, joy when you're in it. Because God's going to do something. And if you do it right, if you respond right in the fact that I need your presence and I need your power, because what you're basically saying, you're considering it pure joy. Why? Because now, here's the opportunity for you to experience his presence and his power. And I'm going to tell you, time and time again, God has come through, uh, through for me, through for other people in this room, I know for a fact, and that our faith is unshakable because we held on through the storm to Jesus, our anchor. Amen? Let's bow our heads and pray. And the most awesome thing, and I don't want you to misunderstand me, you don't need a storm. You don't need a storm to experience his presence or his power. You don't. You can experience it right now. Life might be cushy for you right now. You might be comfortable. His presence is still there, and his power is still available. Amen? Lord Jesus, I pray for everyone here that whether we are in a storm or out of it or heading towards one, 
that ultimately it's all about you and what you have for us and what you're going to do. Thank you so much that you work in the things that we don't understand, that you work in the shadows, that you do things, and that draws us to completely rely on you, to need you. And Lord, I pray, Father God, that wherever we are in the journey, that our relationship and our walk with you would turn from a want into a need, that we need you, we depend on you, that we have an attitude just like Moses, that we are not going to go anywhere without you, God. We are not going to go anywhere without you. Praise you and I thank you. I just want to pray for anybody here in this room that um, doesn't know Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. You know, I said before that God chose to need you. He chose by proving, proving it on the cross. He died for you, gave up his life so that you can have forgiveness of sin, freedom, know him in a personal way. And if you've never done that before, if you've never said yes to Jesus, or maybe you said yes to Jesus a while back and you want to come back to him and go, you know what, I want to say yes to you this morning. Because like I said before, you don't need a storm to experience his presence and his power. It's available right now. And if you're hungry for it, I want to invite you to say yes to Jesus. And what saying yes to Jesus means is saying, yes, Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for me. And I believe because of that, I will be forgiven of sin. And because of that, I surrender my life to you. That's what that yes means. And if that's you this morning, I'm going to say a prayer in a minute or so and just to lead you in that yes, to make Jesus your Lord and Savior, to become a born-again Christian. But I want you to do something before that. I want you to tell me that you're going to be praying with me. I want to count to three. And on three, all I ask is that if that's in your heart, that you just raise your hand. And by raising your hand, you're saying, Pastor Tom, I want to say yes to Jesus for him to be my Lord and my Savior because I believe in it. So here we go. Hope you're ready. On three, just, just shoot your hand up and let me know that you're going to do that. One, two, three. Anybody here? All right, a bunch of hands. Can you raise your hands so high so I can count you guys? We've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Anybody else? We've got nine in the back. All right, a little kid in the back. Awesome. He's going, ah, look at me. That's so good. Oh, man, thank you for raising your hand right now. So good. Put your hands down. Awesome. About eight or nine. Actually, another person right there. I think nine, ten. Awesome. Cool. Double digits. It doesn't matter if it's a double digit because it's the one that, that counts. That heaven is celebrating just because of just one person in this room. But now we have nine or ten people. It's awesome. Such a wonderful choice you just made. Say this prayer to Jesus like it's your own. God, I come before you and I say yes to you. And what yes means is that I, I believe that you died on the cross for me. I believe that I am forgiven of sin and that I am set free, that I have new life and that I'm a new creation in you. I don't completely understand all of that, but I'm just taking a leap of faith right now just to say that you are my Lord and my Savior. Please be with me, walk with me, 
Lord, let me have an incredible relationship with you until I get to see you face to face. I thank you and I praise you. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Let's give a hand for all those people.